the only thing worse than a root canal is looking for a job on the internet. Hello everybody, this is Anthony Moore with Career Daily. I am here to put the human back in human resources. Let me be your competitive advantage on the job market. It is dog eat dog out there. Our research companies, new industries, I'll dig around, I'll figure out who some of the hiring leaders are, and I'll post all this information on our exclusive Facebook networking group. You'll also hear amazing interviews from professionals that I'm interviewing all across the country. Some are inspiring. Some are very informative. Some duds. I'll leave the duds out. Stay tuned for today's episode. Hi, everybody. It's Anthony Moore with Career Daily. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. It's a part three of four with Dr. Stephen Muller. He's the vice president of Talent Metrics. He got his PhD in industrial and organizational psychology from the University of Houston. If you want a complete rundown of his background, check out part one. But today in part three, we're going to be discussing the legal issues and what it means to have a, an assessment that is valid. This is something for both the companies who are implementing these assessments, and it's something to keep in mind for you as the individual who is being subjected to taking these tests, whether at home or whether in office, which we call a proctored test. Okay, we're going to take a, a deeper look at validity and legal issues. Stephen, you've talked a little bit about validity, uh, the standardization. You've also mentioned legal issues. So maybe Really explain this to us. What does that mean? For relevant background, certainly not going to cite case law here. I'm not a lawyer, but all of this uh, section here dates back to the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and in particular Title VII. So the government has come up with some guidelines that organizations need to use to make sure that when they hire people, that the hiring process is job relevant. So you can't hire somebody on a whim. Uh, you can't remove people from a hiring process because you didn't like the shirt that they wore, for example, or where they went to college. So the government has set mechanisms in place to make sure that selection processes and the instruments that are used therein are valid. So what, is, what does validity mean? So there's many, many tools that IO psychologists use and what we mean by validity, just I referenced this in a previous section, uh, validity in one word is correctness. Have we measured something correctly? So when an IL psychologist develops a test, uh, for example, let's say we're going to measure traits, right? All assessments are comprised of traits or most assessments are compar uh, comprised of traits or behaviors. Uh, these traits and behaviors could be assertiveness, um, agreeableness, conscientiousness, um, idea orientation, things like that. What we have to make sure of is that we are measuring those traits correctly. Once we know that we have measured those traits correctly, there's a series of research that we can do that we can conduct to make sure we're measuring those traits correctly. We then have to make sure that those traits are job relevant. In other words, predict performance before we introduce them into a hiring process. So the technical terms are construct validity, have we measured something correctly, uh, criterion-related validation. Once we know that we have measured something correctly, does that something that we have measured correctly, does it actually predict performance? And this is why working with a reputable I.O. company 
you will make sure as an organization you have all you know the I's dotted and the T's crossed, and you have a valid, legally defensible selection process that you can use to hire people. So that's essentially why you have to go through this process so you can defend yourself, defend your hiring process, basically, correct? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And when, what the you know consultant will do, they're really looking for a preponderance of evidence. So uh, as I mentioned previously in another segment, uh, job analysis is typically done as recommended. And the job analysis leads into a series of you know validation exercises, validation research to make sure that once the job is understood, relevant selection tools are then implemented. And without that evidence, there is um, you know, legal risk and organizations open, open themselves up to a lawsuit. How do I go about making sure that whatever I'm implementing is valid? The government understands and you know, the guidelines, they understand that not every organization is able to do a validation study. Maybe, maybe it's a new role in performance data doesn't exist. Uh, maybe it's a new role and you don't have a large sample size. Um, so the standard is, you know, in my interpretation, is that if you are able to do a validation study, uh, which is to say that you have the ingredients, um, you need a sample size, you need a larger sample size. Um, I like to have at least 50 in a role to do a validation study. And you need to have, the organization has to have relevant performance data. The performance data is very important because if the performance data does not exist or it's skewed in some form or fashion, um, I think we all have heard stories about performance data. Um, it gets rated on a five-point scale, and everybody's a three or a four. Um, so if we, if you don't have reputable performance data, um, it's really, really hard to do a validation study. So a consultant can advise you on the potential to do a validation study, but I would recommend one is always done because it provides defensibility and it ensures you that your hiring process is job relevant. So a company that would be implementing any kind of an assessment, would it automatically include this validation study or is that a, an optional uh, aspect? Because obviously there could be a higher cost associated with it. Given the current political social environment, it is more optional, or at least that's the way it's viewed. Um, I have had clients that have not done local validation, which is what I've described here. There are some other validation techniques, transportability that are, you know, it's likely beyond you know, what we're talking about here. Some form of validation has to be conducted before it gets implemented. The variable becomes, will an organization invest the time and resources it takes to do a local, valid, <clears throat> local validation study with current job incumbents? Once you go through the time and the effort and in some cases the expense to put this validation study in place, or you call it this local study, does, does this study remain valid for a certain period of time? Because I know you mentioned earlier about the stability of like an assessment and you might use competency models because that's more stable. So something like this, is that is that an issue? Is there a stability or a shelf life issue? Uh, there can be, Tony. So always recommend anytime an assessment is completed and as the uh, hiring process is set up and deployed, I always recommend clients identify a management of change protocol. So periodically, annually, somebody will go in and look at the job and ask the question, has the job significantly changed from the time that we implemented this assessment for this role? And if the job has changed significantly, then the process should repeat. So another job analysis should be done to identify changes 
and relevant assessments should then be updated and included in the process. So the government doesn't have a standard that you must do a validation study every three years. It's really, to me, the, the government doesn't word it like this, but the way I look at it, it's just a good faith effort to make sure your hiring process is validated. So as long as your organization can say that the job hasn't changed, then the current process would be, uh, would be fine. All right. So let me just make sure I understand this. So if a company wanted to establish some like a cognitive test and they have, and they want to work with a, an IO consultant to do this at the end of that process, will it be validated and does it have to be validated to kind of back up any legal claims against the company for not hiring someone? That is exactly right. And, and uh, the consultant would document all of this in a technical manual, a technical report. It would talk about the job analysis, the process that was, you know, who was included in the job analysis. It would document the, uh, the data because a lot of data are collected when this validation process is going on. So there would be a technical document that would be given to the client and, of course, retained by the consulting company that would illustrate that this selection tool, in your case, cognitive ability, uh, since you use that as an example, this cognitive ability test has been validated for this particular role. And the advantage of that is, and having that technical documentation, is that when somebody were to come by and, let's say, file a lawsuit and say, you didn't hire me because of your, you know, your hiring process, I don't feel like I got a fair shake. You can say, look, candidate, you were not hired because you did not, quote unquote, pass the, you know, you didn't meet the, the minimally acceptable standards, you know, whatever those happen to be for that role. You can point to the validation evidence to justify your lack of hiring that person. Are there certain assessments that are better suited to become validated? Yeah, absolutely. So as I said in another segment, um, or maybe I said this, or maybe I just imagined it. <laughs> um, all, all assessments are not created equal, right? We're all held to the same measuring stick. What we know for sure is that cognitive ability tests have more uh, predictive validity than, say, personality. That's not to say that personality is not predictive, just cognitive ability is more predictive. So regardless of which assessment tool, which selection instrument is actually used, it's important to document the specific validity coefficient, whatever that happens to be. Uh, personality assessments tend to come in around 0.3 on a, you know, a zero to one scale. So about 0.3 is what you might expect to see there. But uh, cognitive ability is more predictive, but that doesn't mean because personality comes in at 0.3 that it can't be used. There just needs to be enough evidence that the, the research illustrates that even though the validity coefficient is a 0.3, People that currently perform the job better score higher on the assessment. That, that's really what you're doing. You're establishing an empirical link between the assessment that you want to implement and current job performance. Let's say that a, a company used an assessment for a very specific role. Let's say a sales manager role. Does that company have to continue to use that same assessment the next time they hire a sales manager or that specific role? Like let's say they... They decide to scrap the whole thing and then not use it. Does that open up a problem, an issue if they use it once and then not another time? No, that, that would go back to that management of change protocol. Um, organizations are free to operate however they want, right? I mean, ideally you want standardization. Um, a lot of 
roles are based on recs. Um, so with an applicant tracking system, you'd have a rec for a sales manager, for example. I would recommend everybody in that rec, all candidates in that rec, complete the assessment. And then once the rec is closed and a hire is made, then you would open up another rec. And if the organization for some reason decided not to use that same assessment, that would be fine. Just treat all candidates in that rec the same way. If an assessment was used to evaluate some senior directors to be promoted into a VP role, would that company then be liable or would they have to continue to use assessments to, you know, promote other senior directors into a VP role? But it doesn't sound like they, they're not tied into that kind of uh, structure if they don't want to be. Not, not necessarily, no. They, they absolutely are not. I think just having that management of change protocol, documenting why they went away from assessments. I will tell you that the bar is much lower post-hire assessments than pre-hire. So pre-hire tends to be called high-stakes assessment because that's where you have the most risk. Uh, using assessments for developmental purposes, hypo programs, bench, you know, developing bench strength. Once people are actually in the organization using assessments at that point, it's much less risky. I see. It makes sense because they're already, you know, they've already been hired on. It's not like they were discriminated against. They were actually hired. That is correct. Now, you will need to socialize the assessments to make sure everybody feels good about it because you don't want to mess up your employer brand by subjecting these, you know, these candidates for that promotion to this assessment. These other candidates didn't take it. So I think transparency is probably best in that case. Right. I, it's a different issue you're bringing up. It's a, uh, it's a one of company culture, uh, a, a, an attitude of fairness or something that the internal employees would feel if some people were being uh, exposed to a process and others weren't. They, you know, that might cause, uh, you know, an internal riff. Yeah, you are absolutely right. Well said. Um, I should have said it like that, but yeah, that's exactly right. Um, certainly, you wouldn't want to give an assessment and then within that within that year have a reduction in force because people might think, well, I did an assessment. I got terminated because I didn't score well. So uh, HR leaders need to be very careful on how they implement assessments, the timing of them. If they know they're going to have a reduction in force, I certainly wouldn't recommend using an assessment at all because it, it just opens up that, that conversation. So a reputable consulting company will not push an assessment to market unless it's valid. So the, you can assume that the consulting company has done their job. They, they make sure that they have an assessment that is valid, that is accurately measuring the traits that are in that assessment. What that consulting company then wants to do is go to the organization and do the local validation study to make sure their assessment is going to predict performance in that company. So at that point, the company needs to provide data to, to establish that empirical linkage. Great. That, that answers a lot of questions about validity and legal issues. Stay tuned for part four, client strategies when implementing an assessment. Don't forget, head over to LinkedIn and follow me and then go to Facebook and join the exclusive Career Daily Facebook group. That's where I'll have links to the show notes and all the people and companies that we've discussed today.